Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, Tim. Hey, Renee. <laughs> All right, you want to try it again? Hi, you're on the Think Inclusive podcast, and this is Renee Marquez with Paraeducate. Fantastic. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Tim Viegas, uh, your host of the Think Inclusive podcast. Uh, I would like to... Um, Welcome, finally, after all the technical difficulties, <laughs> uh, Renee Marquez, co-founder of Paraeducate. Uh, she is a graduate of the University of Southern California School of Architecture. She has worked as a paraeducator since 2003 with the same district in California. Previous to being a paraeducator, Renee has worked for several government agencies and education groups. Renee currently spends her work days modifying curriculum collecting data and investigating technology for students. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Renee. Oh, thank you for having me, Tim. Fantastic. Okay, so we were just talking before uh, we officially started recording. Um, uh, we have never had a conversation uh, other than on, on online. So this is fantastic. Yeah, yeah no, uh, everything's always been about... Uh, when we're when you and I've previously been together, everything's been about like trying to support teachers or getting curriculum out or try to figure out how to branch into the administrative level to make them understand what inclusion is. But uh, uh, you and I, when we first started, it actually when Paragate started at the same time, almost the same time as Think Inclusive, we uh, we were about the boots on the ground. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think. 
it's been great to to see how Pear Educate has grown and uh, that we're still doing what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's fantastic. So, uh, you know, many of our uh, listeners and readers um, have probably are familiar with your name, at least, uh, Renee or Paraeducate, um, but I'm not sure uh, if many of them know what uh, what you do or what Paraeducate does, because I know that um, you do have some resources and books that are available, and also you do training. So why don't you just fill us in on, on what Paraeducate is, and uh, and we can go from there. So in 2011, uh, one of my coworkers left to spend quality time with her uh, then one-year-old son. And we, my, my department went into basically a tailspin because we couldn't replicate Megan. Megan Gross <laughs> is amazing. Um, and then there was this conversation about, well, what happens when Renee goes? We definitely can't clone Renee. Um, and at the time had only been a paraeducator for eight years. And it's not something I thought I was going to go in and do for like a career or build off of, of this. It's not something people think about really. It's that gap filler job. Um, so we started writing this book called paraeducate and to help give paraeducators the same footing that everybody else did. Uh, to give them some basic background knowledge that a lot of districts just don't have the time to give to their paraeducators. Um, there are a lot of districts that don't call paraeducators paraeducators. Some of them are instructional assistants. Some are paraprofessionals. And, and just trying to get that, that, that base level to everybody to help provide inclusive environments for students with disabilities. Uh, out of that, we realized that we had been creating for the better part of almost 10 years at that point, curriculum and other supports for students with disabilities. And through Paraeducate, we were able to offer that to a variety of people. And so now we have, uh, we still have our book Paraeducate on Amazon, both uh, digitally and available in paperback. And we have a variety of books that are primarily for uh, curriculum modification or uh, curriculum adaptations to be used as is in classrooms. So the the book that you originally wrote, and I, I think I remember um, when the book first came out, um, something that that we said about it was that it assumed an inclusive environment, um, whereas you know, as as you know, it still isn't. Um, inclusive environments in public school, just they're just not that common, um, especially for students with um, more complex needs or significant intellectual disabilities. Um, so are, are you seeing where, you know, from your vantage point that it's gotten better maybe in California or, you know, with the people that you work with or um, is, it, is it pretty much the same? It, it again, it's a state by state uh, phenomena, unfortunately, and it, then it becomes a district by district phenomena. Um, it's getting better, but unfortunately, what I see a lot on social media is are all these mentions of places that I will not say directly 
all relating to particular states that have these horrendous outcomes because they haven't had inclusive environments or um, there's such a segregated population for whatever reason. Some of them can be honestly, inherently, they started out as good, good ideas, um, but just because of the segregated population, things have turned out badly or even in an inclusive environment, uh, things have turned out badly. And um, it it does sometimes take a little bit of uh, a bad publicity to get the right things going, unfortunately, sometimes. Yeah, I hear that. Um, and and uh, it always, it bothers me a little bit um, when I hear educators say that inclusion doesn't work because of the barriers so because well the teachers didn't want to teach the students or um, the district wasn't ready to to do something like that and it was implemented badly so what when I hear that I hear well you know you never actually had inclusion you had you had something that maybe they, they were trying to get at but because of implementation uh, it failed, you know, and I, I think, you know, I think teachers are uh, in, in district administration, um, uh, they're worried that if they do something like that, um, then th- there will be that, there will be that, uh, ne- those negative consequences. Um, well, and then but- there's things, there's very small things, like, um, I'll come across a teacher who will have who will have successfully included many students, but because of the nature of inclusion, um, like when tests come up, the students get misplaced during the testing process for the classroom test because I didn't I have twelve kids with IEPs. I don't know where that student's test is because it could be in the resource room, it could be in the library, it could be in their backpack, and. I'm trying to service as a classroom teacher, 12 different students and their 12 different needs. Now I feel this is failing. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. that's not a true failure necessarily. It's, it's just a hurdle. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, it, the inclusion in the, in the broadest sense, um, or even if you, if you take it down to, you know, you want to have um, students spending 80% of their day outside of a, you know, a segregated or self-contained environment, you know, nothing's going to work perfectly, <laughs> you know, so um, I think that the assumption, though, that um, certain students shouldn't or that don't belong because of a particular uh, disability label, I think that's really the biggest thing that um, I know that we are trying to say no, like that's just because a student has Down syndrome or autism or, you know, whatever, doesn't mean that they need to be in a particular place. Um, like that's not, that's not the reason. Uh, so if we're looking at special places, um, let's have a, let's have a different conversation. Uh, the, the other thing that um, people or that I find people think when I say or we say 
inclusion or inclusive education is that all students are educated with all um, all all students with disabilities are educated in general education classrooms 100% of the time. And so I think that that's a misunderstanding. And I, I'm not sure, you know, we've never had this conversation before, so I'm not sure how nuanced your take is on on this. So my, you know, my, 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 my regular day job primarily has me working with students who fall in the, the, the end of the spectrum from moderate to severe disabilities. Um, mm -hmm. The majority of my students, based on my case management load, are in inclusion or included in their general ed classes with their peers 75% of their day. And this include some of this stuff is yes, my, my speech and language can come in and push in in classes, but they're not necessarily going to push in in class where like art class or PE classes that are very hard to have that dialogue with a student. Mm -hmm. um, actually have a student for the first time right now that I'm learning to work with. Um, that inclusion does look very different than what we've had previously in a very, very long time. Um, and uh, it, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> really, honestly, it is. Um, but we're but it's in the better interest of the student long term uh, so, right now but the goal the eventual goal would yeah. be more inclusion all over that student's day sure but i think what i'm hearing you say is that you really need to look at the student's needs well that's the whole point yeah. of the iep <laughs> right <laughs> right and, and so and so what i tell people too is look i can't i cannot make and just wave a magic wand and say okay everyone is in general ed for a hundred percent of the day, no matter what, because that's denying kids faith. Me making that decision and saying that that's how kids are being served, that, you know, that's, that is against the whole idea of an individualized education program. The idea of it is to look at a student and what that student requires and what services they require. Now, of course, services are portable. And they can be provided anywhere. But you also have to take a look at, is that student going to be successful in that specific location? So it is, it is all part of it. Uh, and to say everyone's in or everyone's out, I think that is uh, too simplistic of a, of a way. It's much more nuanced. And like you said, you have to take a look at, you know, what the student requires. And, uh, yeah, and it, of course. It, we, it would be yeah. mass also matters to the uh, to the service as well. I'm, I have met wonderful APE and PT folks, but at the same time, you know, getting a student out of their wheelchair, even though it may be appropriate because it's a physical activity, may not necessarily be safe at the moment because you'll know it, the fire alarm could go off and trying to get that student back in. To their chair under um, emergency circumstances may not be a, a great idea. Right, right. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I think, I think we all just need to be very thoughtful, you know, about about how we provide the service, 
whatever it is and wherever it is. Um, it, you know, um, cause I take what I hear from, you know, the parents who either talk to me specifically or who comment on, you know, our Facebook posts or uh, getting emails or, you know, however. And I think one of the biggest ways that school districts and educators can build trust with parents is, is just to know that we are thinking about what is best and not making decisions before beforehand. You know, not only is that illegal <laughs> to make IEP decisions before a meeting or, you know, anything like that, but just, just to be able to, um, be thoughtful about how we are going to be providing services for this student and whether that's academic or whether that is, you know, if you have a student with, um, with physical, uh, with, with physical or medical needs, how those are going to be provided. Um, I think that goes a long way. I, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure what, what the, I guess the tone is, you know, in, in your neck of the woods, as far as why parents uh, and families get upset at uh, school districts because of, you know, whatever reason. But I, I think that that, I think that tends to be a universal thing. Um. Well, that's kind of one of the beauties of being a paraeducator. Uh, you are uh, pretty, by default, you're pretty much insulated from that. Um, you might hear edges of it, of of parental scuttlebutt, but uh, specifically as to why, sometimes you just don't know. And there are a lot of reasons parents can be upset um uh i can't comment on most of them because right. I, I i don't i don't get to have that sort of relationship with the parents my end is is having those conversations between the general ed teacher the case manager and as appropriate the student mm-hmm. uh, um and i can tell you that if a student only says yes to everything you ever ask them that they that conversation is going to be very short. Right. Now, the occasional one is no, but mostly yes. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about um, the, I guess, being prepared to uh, uh, move kids into more inclusive environments and um the students that you work with and the teachers, the, the paraeducators that you work with, um, what, uh, how do you prepare them to do what is needed, whether it's modifications or it's, um, uh, you know, help with communication? Um, how do you prepare them for, uh, going into more inclusive environments? Well, um, I am fortunate. My district is considered, um, mostly inclusive uh kids have been included since pre-k straight through to um secondary uh so the hurdles of getting students prepared specifically already have been in place so there are other there are more there are more background things that need to be put in place such as 
um, uh, pulling together vocabulary specific to units or um, classroom language that providing for students who need speech boards or uh, other communication devices. So that would be um, that would be a, the probably the primary way I'd be preparing a student. But uh, as as for preparing our paraeducators, we kind of just kind of kick them out the door and say, you can do it because we believe in you. And uh, we try to pair at least one class, a veteran and someone who's not had that many experiences in a classroom, um, just so they can get an idea of how to move between students with disabilities and, and their general ed peers, um, being mindful of the students who have less obvious disabilities to not just single them out and, and hover near them. Um, uh, how, to, how to broach conversations with general ed teachers of, of what does it mean, what is it gonna look like when we have the student do this activity or um, uh, science mm. class. Okay, all the other kids are making these wonderful uh, rock cycle CD covers, and the student that I work with does not have any connection to music, let alone a CD that no longer exists in their world. Um, can he still uh, go through and build his own rock cycle poster and just forget the 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 musical component to it and just being able to like observe students figure out what the class uh, the classroom teacher is asking of them and being honest about the parts that the student with a disability can provide and demonstrate to to their classroom teacher right so i hear i hear that a lot of the modifications, um, uh, is it is it left up to the paraeducator, or is it in conjunction with the the special education case manager as far as what modifications go on in in a, a classroom? So, in the ideal world, it should be the the uh, the classroom teacher and the case manager. Um, and with a reference to the paraeducator, because even if the classroom teacher is really great and um, really wants to get to know the student, uh, ultimately, at some point, it will be my job to help that student through, either through study hall or through a pullout or to explain to, to parent because it's part of homework. Mm-hmm. Um Reality is reality has actually gotten a lot better. Um, more teachers I'm seeing are coming in that are able to address specific needs of students with disabilities, but they're better at mild to moderate and not so much the severe end. Um, and that is a challenge, but there's technically less students with severe disabilities. I mean, with more language barriers uh, based on being nonverbal to go around. So that, that's just the nature of, of exposure to students with disabilities. 
Um, right. Right. So, what do you think? Go ahead. Uh, I, I was going to say, um, because coming from the perspective of a you know of an inclusive district already, um, do you still see that there are barriers to inclusion even in that setting? Uh, yeah, it, there is a lot of it's a it's a lot of organization uh, on <laughs> part of the general ed teacher. Um, mm -hmm. And it's not just my job to know all the all the students who I'm responsible for helping or prodding in the academic direction. Um, I'm all we're also addressing students with emotional and trauma needs, probably at a different rate than when we we've had we have been in the past past 15 mm -hmm. years uh, and I don't necessarily know that it's because we've become a trauma-informed district it's honestly that number of students who have those needs are are uh, showing up mm. um, so it, it the classroom has immense become immensely complex and I, I feel for general ed teachers uh, it is very easy for me to sit back and quarterback in the room, armchair quarterback in the room and go, well, I wouldn't do it that way. But I also don't always have all the information on every single student. I only have the information on the students in which I support. Right. Yeah. Um, do you, do you get, uh, general ed teachers or uh, I'm because I'm not sure exactly how you how you you organize how your organizational structure is but um, do you collaborate with general ed teachers or is it more you collaborate with uh, a special ed case manager and then and then uh, you know that's how you work with the students Oh, it, it's all because we're inclusion. Uh, so our our students are already in the class and they already have a seat in the classroom. Mm -hmm. um, the instructions do come from the classroom teacher. And so I'll look at the assignment. And if it's not appropriate or if it's too much work for uh, the students that uh, I support, I'll go back and talk to the general ed teacher and say, can we try something like this instead? Mm -hmm. um, occasionally, if I'm really stuck in a bind, I'll provide, I'll uh, go back into my digital archives, I'll pull out something and provide and print it out, run it by the teacher, usually, uh, and say, this is more appropriate for the, this student and provide it to them. Or this, uh, but I've got a lot of teachers who are even, who even understand how to, who actually do now understand how to do that. Um, and are aware enough that when they make an assignment, they're, they're making several different varieties of this assignment for all the different students in their classroom. Do you have um, like a go-to kind of basket of, of analog tools, you know, that, that you use to modify curriculum um, yeah. or assignment? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like examples of, of some things that are in there so uh highlighters 
what mm-hmm. I'm going to go through is I might not necessarily highlight instructions for some students, but I'll highlight words that might help them find the vocabulary in their, in their uh, textbook. Or I might find words that are, they would find in their, uh, in their notes to help, okay. them asso- to help them start associating, things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. I will uh, partner up with a couple of kids, usually general ed kids, in the same zone as my student. And I'll teach them how to mark text. Uh, that's an AVID method. Are you familiar with AVID? I am familiar with AVID. I never specifically used or, or taught with it, uh, but I, I know barely what it so, is. So <laughs> marking the text would be, you'd, you'd get, all the students would get a handout of a specific reading. The, the class will be doing together. Marking the text uh, has a few phases that gets them to inter, uh, interact with the text. The first step would be to go through and number all the paragraphs. Uh, mm-hmm. Then the next thing would be to just do a, a cold read of, of the reading. Uh, and that's usually an inde- considered an independent activity. But if I get involved with three or four students, I might read it to them, even if they're capable of reading. And just to mask so my student can start hearing the words that are in the reading. Mm-hmm. And then the next step would be to go back through and read again. Uh, this time in like two to three paragraph chunks. And we're going to start underlining or highlighting vo- either vocabulary words we don't know or vocabulary words we think are important. And this is where it's really nice to have two or three different colors because then you could leave that yourself a key towards the top mm-hmm. to help um, identify and, and to help you know, get the students thinking about the topic. So they'll be able to refer to, hey, in paragraph 12, they use this word differently than they use it in paragraph six. Now, a student with a disability may not necessarily pick up with that, but then they can refer to the reading as their peers are reading it and having this discussion around them and be able to at least make a note of that. So yeah, pens, highlighters are pretty much big. Okay. Um, What else? the cheap whiteboard so you could get a get a high quality actually um um, binder slip so these they make these little plastic sleeves for that can go into binders and Mm -hmm. they're clear so you get oh get buy a pack of them for like 300 at costco or something and they usually tend to be pretty good you slide a piece of white paper or even binder paper in them. And you can write on this board as a whiteboard with a whiteboard marker. And that can help students who need who just need someone to scribe for them. So they'll write somewhere else in their own handwriting. Right, yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, you can also do that where if it's just a, a um, some sort of other worksheet, you can slip it in there and yes. they can other, they can use that dry marker yeah if Um, it's a student who is identifying letters and it's not a not it's not a critical reading or the reading is so dense mm -hmm. just pick out a few letters or even pick out a few keywords and have them go circle those words yeah yeah i like that so we've got some pens highlighters different colors and then the 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 clear 
um, I guess, uh, sheets to put the paper sheet protectors, in. Sheet protectors, that's what it's called. I had to go look sheet... for the box. And I knew it was going to work. <laughs> um, well, uh, anything else? Uh, I actually am a pretty big fan of the iPad. There's an app out there called uh, MathMod, and it it's basically graph paper. And it has all these symbols built in, mathematical symbols. It stops around early trig in terms of mathematical symbols, but yeah. it helps it helps students keep things aligned, and that's a really big deal in the in the middle to late um, early secondary program. So from like that fifth through about eighth grade. It's really like mathematically speaking, if you misalign a number, uh, your your math equation will be off. But MathMod helps students with that and keep things aligned, and uh, but gives them enough space to work on. Uh, that's just for writing like direct equations, not necessarily for graphing, unfortunately. Okay, that's a good tip, though. I like that. I haven't heard of MathMod. Yeah. Um, so speaking of technology, um, are there any um, other pieces of technology that you have found extremely useful as far as, you know, helping with either modifying curriculum, like you said, for, you know, math or uh, maybe communication? Um, I know that's something else that people ask all the time is, you know, what are you using and, you know, can I try it in the classroom? Um. I mean, just having access to either Google Suite or Office uh, mm -hmm. is, is is pretty important. Um, I've taken out, I've had for years, I've, I've actually carried a, a laptop around with me. Um, fortunately, in the past three years, our district has finally ponied up and bought more laptops so I can... Uh, take one out of, of one of the classrooms and bring it with me to class and so I had a student working on an assignment that was modified um, making slides Google slides for this assignment instead and uh, one of the things I had him do was actually then take the Chromebook out and his job was to figure out how to use the Chromebook camera and take pictures of rocks around campus which there were actually surprisingly a lot in the different varieties on campus. Yeah, yeah, that's actually, that's a great idea um, to have a student go with, if, if they if they do need that support, that additional support with a, with a paraeducator, um, to have the paraeducator have that technology with them um, to assist the student. I think that that's a great, so, you know, it's, a, it's actually a really simple, um, uh, suggestion, but I don't think many people think of that. Um, so that's a, that's a great example. I like that. Yeah. Uh, you have, you also have to have someone who is able to handle the conversation with the student of, okay, and this is how we're going to use this piece of technology. It's not just to look up Disneyland trips. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, yeah. There needs to be some sort of, uh, you know, the, the skill set needs to be there <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, but that's great. I like that a lot. Um, 
What what advice um, is we we get this a lot is um, just moving inclusion forward wherever you are. So you know, we we have a lot of teachers who ask us, um, you know, how they can move inclusion forward where they are, uh, and we also have parents. But a, as an educator, uh, a parent educator, but as an educator, uh, where, where you are, what would be some maybe a specific thing that someone can do to, to move inclusion forward where they are, where they're at. To be mindful that all the activities that are provided to the students are activities that the, all the students should be participating in, even if it's just for a little while. So mm -hmm. at secondary, the big thing is rallies and for students with, um, Sensory needs, a rally is a, a nightmare. Yeah. Um, but this is also, this is also time to be with their peers, to look around and, and be a part of a rally, no matter how long. So for some students, we've been utterly surprised that they've been fine, that nothing, nothing bothers them. They enjoy being in in the rally um, for other students um, it's not about making the call of hey let's pull them out it's making the call of what is our plan here is a plan that you can tell someone I want to leave when the rally gets too much for you mm -hmm. yeah and, so and really understanding dope. that that that's in place yeah Instead of, hey, you're not going to the rally. Right. Instead of making that decision for them, saying, oh, they can't handle this, you know, give them a way to indicate that it, it is too much for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great advice. Um, well, I, I want to thank uh, you for being on the podcast and for having this conversation before we sign off. Uh, could you tell us um, where they can find more information about you and paraeducate and all the resources that you have to offer? So every Thursday during the academic school year between August and May, you can find a weekly blog from us at blog.paraeducate.com. Uh, we are on Facebook and Twitter at Paraeducate, um, and all of our books are available on Amazon. So if you look this up as a as an author, Paraeducate, uh, you'd find us there. Awesome, awesome, and that you know, props to you for putting out a weekly blog because I'm telling you, I've tried and it's so hard. Uh, I, I, uh, <laughs> some weeks I think, uh, I have, I've hit it the nail on the head and other weeks I, I kind of, I, I feel like it's being phoned in and then that's, those are the ones I get the most comments of, of, of how brilliant this was. And it frightens me sometimes. Right. We're, yeah. we're actually in the middle of a series right now of teaching people, um, in high school, how to talk a student through writing an essay modified or not so uh, we'll look more about that uh when we get back next week
That's great. That's great. Yeah, I think maybe we're just all overthinking it, right? <laughs> oh, right thank you, Tim. Yeah, thank you very much. That is our show. We would like to thank Renee Marquez for being a guest on the Think Inclusive podcast. Make sure to follow them on Twitter and Facebook, as well as their as on their website, paraeducate.com. Follow Think Inclusive on the web at thinkinclusive.us, as well as Twitter, Facebook, Google+, and Instagram. You can subscribe to the Think Inclusive podcast via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or Anchor.fm, the easiest way to start a podcast. If you're using the Anchor app to listen, please leave us a voice message. You may be featured on our next podcast. You can also favorite us and or use the applause button while listening to the show. We love to know that you are listening. Also a reminder that you can support the Think Inclusive podcast via Patreon or Anchor.fm with a monthly contribution so that we can continue to bring you in-depth interviews with thought leaders in inclusive education and community advocacy. Thank you to Patreon Donna L for their continued support for the podcast. From Marietta, Georgia, please join us again on the Think Inclusive podcast. Thanks for your time and attention. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.